Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Autosport podcast sponsor this week. Once again, our friends at BetterHelp. And this week they want us to focus on stress. Have you ever felt stressed? Even stressed watching Formula One. Imagine working in a Formula One team. That's a pretty stressful job. But you have always got that support network of a team. You win as a team and lose as a team. What about, though, if you're stressed at home? What about if you're stressed with your job? Sometimes the people that you can talk to about your stress other people you can't talk to, if that makes sense. So get someone in your corner, someone from BetterHelp. And if you stick around to about, I reckon, 30, 31 minutes into the show today, uh, we'll talk about an exclusive discount code that you can score uh, with our friends at BetterHelp and how you can get on top of stress. Now, on with the show. From Autosport.com and Autosport Magazine, I'm Martin Lee, and this is the Autosport Podcast. Well, Charles Leclerc made it two wins from three races with a dominant victory at Melbourne's Albert Park for the 2022 Australian Grand Prix. As once again, his early season title rival Max Verstappen retired later in the race with fuel issues. Red Bull Sergio Perez did what recently number two drivers have failed to do at Red Bull, and that is be in the hunt to pick up the points when Max couldn't, and he finished second. With George Russell picking up his first silverware for Mercedes with third on the podium, Lewis Hamilton finished fourth, and the two McLarens of Norris and Ricardo fifth and sixth. Well, two safety car restarts with C. Leclerc pull away from Verstappen both times, although the second restart was a close one, as Leclerc says he got some pickup which meant he ran wide, coming into the start-finish straight, giving Verstappen at least a sniff of an overtake. On the podcast today, joining myself, Martin Lee, our UK-based F1 editor this week, although he'll be in Italy in a couple of weeks, Matt Q. In Australia, Luke Smith. And alongside Luke, editor of motorsport.com Australia, Andrew Van Leeuwen. Mate, you're no stranger to Melbourne. Worked there many years. Is it, uh, is it good to have the crowds back? Yeah, it's it's been a real sort of full circle moment, I think, for Melbourne as a city and Melbournians as people because the Grand Prix in 2020, you know, uh, the, the Friday the 13th of March, that was kind of, that's when COVID kind of kicked off in Australia and in Melbourne. And Melbourne really got, I think it was the most lockdown city in the world throughout the pandemic. It really copped it very, very hard. 
um, when it came to the strict COVID measures we had in Australia. The city was so badly affected. So I think for the city to have the Grand Prix back, you know, there was never any guarantee it was going to come back, but it is back. Lockdowns are a thing of the past. Everyone's sort of getting on with life. It was a real sort of healing thing for this city, I think. And you could feel it. You could feel the whole city was excited, probably in a way that it's never been excited about the Grand Prix before, or at least not since the first one in 1996. So, you know, it was a special atmosphere. I know Luke didn't necessarily see a whole Australian Grand Prix last time he was here, but, uh, you know, even I'm sure he can see the difference between, you know, the, the 2020 on the Thursday and, the, and, and what we had this weekend it was it was awesome and not just Aussie motorsport that's really suffered but the whole country has really been through it I mean look, everyone has been through it but just the way that Australia chose everyone chose their own path right and and, and you guys being an island but a very big island just decided to you know close borders and even you and I have been talking over just on sort of chat and stuff throughout the work that we do together and even now you've moved to Perth but even when you were leaving WA to go cover an event if there was an outbreak, it meant you couldn't get home to your wife and kids. And Australia's really been through it. So I could tell from watching the coverage, it meant a lot to you. It really did. And I mean, the numbers show it as well. I mean, there was nearly 420,000 people through the gates over four days, which is the um, highest ever four-day crowd for the Grand Prix. There's a lot of talk that it's probably the biggest multi-day sporting event in, in Australian history as well. So like, they're big numbers. Um, today was, you know, how many did we have there today? There was 128,000. Um, there today, not quite a record because they had to have caps on attendances due to hospitality staff shortages and stuff, but like huge numbers, huge buzz. It, it, re- it really was a very special weekend. Luke, we've mentioned you already. You are there in the, uh, the the thick of the action. And once again, we see a dominant, a very quick Ferrari throughout the whole weekend and Charles Leclerc converting that into some you know, serious points once again. But actually, just a weekend of dominance where it didn't seem to me like it was ever really in doubt. And a car that, at, you know, at heavy fuel load, at speed does look like it's a handful to drive, or at least the bouncing. But, as the drivers have said, I'd rather have a quick car that was uncomfortable uh, than a slow one and a a Sunday afternoon drive. Charles Leclerc just putting his stamp after three races on this this championship. How did you read and how did you rate today's race? Yeah, it was brilliant once again from Leclerc. I think he's looking more and more like a driver who is capable of winning a championship. And I think that's something we've known for for some time. Obviously, we saw his talents when he joined the F1 grid in 2018 with uh, Sauber. And then with Ferrari, obviously, he's been very impressive right the way throughout. And I think that, and this is a point I made uh, on Twitter a few days ago, I think that Leclerc's 2021 was massively underrated because he was beaten by Science in the points and Science scored four podiums to Leclerc's one. But it completely missed what, it completely missed Leclerc's season, just how good it had been. And I think we're now starting to see Leclerc sort of in full swing and what he can, all of him at the peak of his powers, which is fantastic. And yeah, he was just completely, completely untouchable today. I think an all weekend and uh, in qualifying his lap looked very, it was very controlled. It wasn't like it was, it didn't look like a lap that he absolutely had to wring everything out of, but he produced a, a, st- a stunning effort to take pole by nearly three tenths. And then, yeah, in the race, he was always in control apart from, as you mentioned, that second safety car restart where, uh, Verstappen did run him a little bit close. Otherwise, he was absolutely, um, absolutely in a league of his own throughout. Uh, he built, built quite a comfortable lead, and I'm sure when that first safety car came out, he thought, "Oh God, here we go again." But it was uh, just a, a very commanding an impressive display by him he's 34 points clear at the top of the championship now which is uh, obviously a huge lead to have after just three races and I think it's uh, obviously aided by all three of his main sort of uh, uh, I guess uh, early title contenders Verstappen, Sainz, Perez all having at least one DNF uh, Russell is the man closest to him in the championship which uh, probably says quite a lot 46 points clear for Verstappen as well which is again huge gap to, to make up even at this stage and uh, yeah it just feels like Ferrari are in a, a really good groove right now and I think going to Imola which uh, may not be seen as the the main home race for Ferrari that would be Monza but Imola is is closer to Maranello and it's a a very another very important race for the Tifosi I think it's a very good time to be yeah wearing red and, and driving a red car 
you know, look at what Charles uh, scored in the first three races, 26 points, 19 points, 26 points. George Russell behind him, another driver, that the only other driver that's finished all three races. Uh, let's go to Matt Q next. Matt, what do you make of that race today? Was it ever, ever in doubt? It was just a nice race, I think, wasn't it? After, after Bahrain, obviously, all the hype around the regulations and covering Saudi on the ground, that, Australia felt like a bit of a palate cleanser. Everyone excited to be back and it was a good race. No, no sort of um, DRS tomfoolery. It was, it was, I don't think, you know, Verstappen, even before his issue, I don't think he quite had the pace to come up Leclerc, but it was, it was just a nice, it was just a nice race. I don't think we, we come away with too many, you know, too much controversy, too much bitterness. So, so that was a good thing to remark on. And, and yeah, with Leclerc, it was super impressive, impressive, you know, him sort of that, that back and forth over team radio playing over, you know, can I go for fastest lap or, or we think we've done enough, Charles, you can leave it. Oh, but can I go again? Sort of hesitating and then just going, yeah, okay, I'll, I'll leave it, you know, and, and, and then him saying after the check of flag, you know, in the interviews, that's the first time we've been able to control a race. And I, I think coming into this weekend, I was having, a, I was having a chat with a mate and just sort of talking like, um, you know, if if it wasn't for the fuel leaking in Bahrain, then maybe Red Bull could have got back at him, and and, and Vettel, you know, didn't didn't hook up his qualifying lap in Saudi Arabia, so was there a bit left on the table, even even though of course he came to win. So you know, on on Ferrari's day, if if they get their act together, can uh, on sorry on Red Bull's day, if they get their act together, can they just storm into the lead? But I think today we saw that's it's not that straightforward that you know Ferrari you know maybe maybe not emotional around it because it is just another team but obviously people have a special place for Ferrari and we're thinking you know can can they sort of end their drought maybe within that we've always gone you know we hope I hope they can win but maybe maybe you know they are um, fallible in quite a lot of ways but I think you know today they showed just how, how strong they were um, and then just an interesting point I think to throw ahead to Imola is um, both Charles and uh, Charles Leclerc and Carlos Sainz were talking during the weekend about you know we've got some exciting things in, in the wind tunnel we've got a good good development to bring now but they've really un- unlocked this car and it's quite interesting to sort of hypothesise about what will happen in Imola because if they bring some substantial upgrades because it's a sprint race weekend they've only got one practice session before before qualifying and, and then a practice session down overall so whether they'll sort of whether they'll ga- it's a bit of a gamble i think to bring in that upgrade for him because they've got you know a bit bit less track time but um the way they're stood at the moment sort of do you, do you want to keep ahead or, or why risk it i don't know yeah, and of course, that's all within the budget cap as well. And teams having to develop and choose those developments really, really carefully and, and not go down any, any dead ends with this new set of regulations and uh, wasting money, wasting time as well. And even just understanding these cars. Uh, before we uh, get any further down the grid, let's just talk about that, the, just the general layout of the, the, the track. Uh, AVL, mate, you've, you know, you know Melbourne inside out, really. We've had some changes. Track's a bit wider in places. And then just before the teams went out for, was it Quali or FP3, uh, was it they removed the DRS zone? So what are your thoughts on how that circuit gave us a bit of entertainment today? Look, I think generally um, it is a step in the right direction with the track. That At the end of the day, was today a classic race? Was there a crazy amount of overtaking? No. Um, Daniel Ricciardo was talking about this after the race. You know, at the end of that, like, you can take a step in the right direction, but it is still a street circuit. There are still limitations. There are public parks and a lake and buildings and stadiums and things that you can't actually move. So all you can do is try and improve what you have. And I think that they did fundamentally do that. I think the circuit is better. Certainly in supercars, I mean, I follow supercars as well. It was... It created some fantastic racing in supercars. It probably didn't necessarily create great racing um, in in Formula One quite yet. Um, Luke and I were discussing this in a video earlier in the weekend about whether four DRS zones was too many. I thought it was, but in hindsight, maybe it wasn't. Maybe that would have helped a little bit having that extra zone in there. But you know, anything that sort of makes the circuit faster and more spectacular, I don't think it certainly didn't harm the racing product. Albert Park's never been a great racing track. Um, so it's probably a step in the right direction. Um, and I think it was certainly, you know, the money they spent to do it was definitely worthwhile. Uh, talking of videos, check out on YouTube our paddock pack down video, uh, Luke, that you're doing. Uh, it, it, will that be out? It's a, is that a Monday thing that uh, we get that online? Uh, I normally, I think it so. might be a Sunday thing today. I it like, might be it's a Sunday thing because of the time it's, difference. It's with our wonderful video team, so hopefully they're going to be hey. turning things around. But uh, yeah, that was uh, the, it's discussing Verstappen's title hopes. Are they already fading? What What's the situation there? What have Red Bull got to do? Um, I don't want to sort of poop too much of a downer on it. And Christian <laughs> Horner afterwards was quite, uh, he said, look, we're like barely 10% of the way through the championship, which is is true but 46 points is a big old gap 
Let's talk, Luke, a little bit about the championship battle. Was Max Verstappen ever able to challenge the Ferraris today once we got underway, the cars in race conditions? Because much of the chat over the weekend had been how Red Bull, once again, we're going to come to this with a you know a high top-end speed, setting the cars up for race conditions, not necessarily optimised for quali. And yet, as soon as the race began, it did seem apparent that Max was immediately either in some sort of conservation, whether he was carrying a problem, and, and as, fast, as far as I can tell, they haven't talked about exactly what they were working on at the front of the car on the grid, or he was in tyre conservation, or was he really completely outgunned today by the Ferraris? No, the Red Bull were outgunned all weekend by Ferrari. They did struggle with uh, the balance of the car right the way throughout the race weekend. Sergio Perez, he, he spoke after qualifying and said they kind of went in in, in two different ways in terms, of, in terms of setup and stuff. And he said neither of them really worked that well. And Christian Horner, he said that, yeah, that they were never really within the right window. He said Ferrari were probably out of reach even if uh, everything had been all smooth for Verstappen. So I think it, it was really just a case of that yeah, as Leclerc said, Ferrari could really control it, and that's true. Red Bull were never really within in with a shout. This wasn't like Bahrain and Saudi Arabia. They they were really a step behind. And I think that there's a lot for them to go away and sort of analyse. I mean, obviously the reliability issue, that's something that they need to find the answer to. Otherwise it's gonna it's gonna get even worse, this sort of like um hole and situation they're in. But um yeah, I think that I think realistically there was never a chance that Red Bull were going to win today's race. Ferrari just had the car, um, yeah, in a better window, running better. And it was never going to really, I think, uh, boil down to uh, much of a fight at the front. Have you got any more insight on what the fuel issue was? Because immediately after when Christian was on Sky Sports, very, very evasive when they were saying, you know, what was it? Because, and that would point to me to it being something to do with the now, now newly renamed Red Bull power unit in that it let them down but he didn't want to publicly criticize it because he knows exactly what the they were saying what was the problem on the grid and is it any way related to what caused max's stoppage and he was saying well i don't i don't really know what they were working on and i, I don't really know what stuff of course he knows but he didn't want to say so it, that would to me point that he was just kind of protecting the team a little bit there while they investigate any insight on what stopped his race yeah i think it, i think it's more that you just want those answers basically so our, our press call with horner was set for i believe 5:15 local time and i went down to red bull then and um ran into the pr and he said oh no he's in debrief at the moment basically he wants to get all of the answers before he talks to you guys because then we can give you a full picture of sort of what's happened and, and what's been going on which is uh yeah very very sensible makes makes complete sense and uh yeah then, then we met met with him him and um, asked him sort of what's the diagnosis and uh, said it was a, a fuel system issue but it was external to the tank and he said that it was a totally separate issue to what happened in Bahrain apparently it wasn't related to um, yeah what, what you mentioned uh, pre-race Martin which was uh, the hydraulics they were topping that up and yeah Horner said that they're not then those two things aren't related um, said that the issues that have hit the uh, sort of rebel powertrains, as you say, um, across obviously AlphaTauri, they've had some issues so far this season as well. Uh, he said that every single issue has been totally unrelated. So I think clearly a lot of work for them to do to get to the bottom of that. It's um, yeah, not the uh, not the kind of way that you want to start a season, and it's something they do have to rectify very quickly. But um, yeah, Horner was um, yeah, he was. I think after the race, he was pretty. He said, look, Max is totally well within his rights to be frustrated, and it's it's very disappointing for the team, obviously, and. Uh, it's a big haul of points that they've lost. It's 36 points alone that Max has lost. It's, uh, what, 50, 51 if you include, include Checo's lost haul from um, um, from Bahrain as well. So there's, uh, yeah, there's a lot of ground they've lost, basically, and they need to get to the bottom of this soon. Matt, I want to come to you next with your thoughts on Max's weekend and, and Red Bull as well. Just before I do, I'll let the listeners know that the Constructors' Championship looks like Ferrari on 104 points after three events. Mercedes on second. Uh, we should start a new feature uh, called something like Who Would Have Thought? You know, and after the after the start of the season, who would have thought after three races, Mercedes would be second? Uh, Red Bull third are 55 points, 10 points behind Mercedes. McLaren in fourth, 24, and Alpine. And so uh, Ferrari really starting to stretch away in a big loss of points for Red Bull behind their rivals. Anyway, Matt, yeah, let's give us your thoughts on uh, that battle at the front today, which yeah, maybe wasn't a battle at all in your eyes. Exactly. I, I don't, I don't think it was, um, you know, and it, it was separate. So like in Saudi, um, Verstappen didn't really get close to Leclerc on the first stint because he was struggling to un- unlock the hard tires. And when he, when he, when he got off those, um, 
he was he was sort of right right on the money. Whereas whereas there, there wasn't that obvious like excuse or, or or reason for for why Verstappen couldn't properly take the fight to the clerk. It was just that you know, and, and I don't think it's really. I don't mean that to say a disservice to Red Bull. I'm using it more to sort of hype up Ferrari. I just think they had a really, really strong, strong race weekend, or particularly on Leclerc's side of the garage, and and Red Bull weren't quite there. I don't think. I don't think you know, unlike Bahrain or or Saudi, where you know Verstappen was sitting one and a half seconds off, and then and then sort of almost when he wanted to turn it up, he could get within that second and, and launch a DRS attack. That, that wasn't really coming. I didn't feel like we were ever building to that, that crescendo, which I think perhaps, you know, uh, sort of taking a step back is a, is a good thing. I don't think every race needs to be a, a DRS fest for, fest for, for the lead. It was quite nice to have sort of like um, uh, uh, just a, a, a more like meritocratic winner, I, I, you know, not to take anything away from the previous results, but, you know, Leclerc had that control. There wasn't sort of like, you know, to, to give credence to DRS because it wasn't like a gimmick to sway the race one way or the other. It was, it was, it was almost a conventional win, if you like. But um, to go back to the original question, yeah, you know, Verstappen just didn't didn't quite have enough in the car. I think more more for the Red Bull than, than the driver, I'd say. Excellent. Well, uh, AVL, I want to talk to you a little bit about what you thought of the various teams' performances as they came to Australia. How much of that could be track-specific? Our colleague John Noble on one of the, the Friday podcasts earlier in the year said that when there's a new set of regulations and a big shift and, and you know the balls are thrown up in the air, as it were, before people start to converge in terms of ideas and the cars looking the same and everyone's got their own ideas, it can mean track to track we see some different results so the safety car restart lap seven was Charles Leclerc Verstappen Hamilton was up to third by that point Perez George Russell Norris and Ricardo. but then after just a couple of laps at that stage Hamilton by lap nine was like three seconds or three and a half seconds behind Verstappen and you know the front two were just sprinting away so there were different phases of the race where Mercedes looked a bit more racy, where McLaren had some pace earlier on, but later in the race. How much of it was track-specific and your impressions of that performance they bought? We're definitely seeing you know, changes in the pecking order happening fairly rapidly, and I guess that's because we have been to three fairly different circuits to start the season, and everyone's learning about these new cars and new spec tyres and all that sort of stuff. It's... Maybe there's a bit of, you know, Jeddah and Albert Park. You can sort of see some consistency there. But in terms of the pecking order, um, like as the other guys talked about, we, we saw Ferrari definitely have the leg up on Red Bull this weekend, you know. We saw the likes of McLaren and Alpine definitely take a big step forward. You know, at some point the McLarens were sort of thinking that, particularly after qualifying, they're in the mix with the Mercedes, but had to concede after the race that Mercedes is still sort of a fair bit stronger on actual on actual race pace. Um, but, you know, if you believe Fernando Alonso, he could have won the whole thing and driven away from Charles Leclerc as well because um, that's kind of what he was... He was talking about how gutted he was, or I forget the exact term he used, but it was, you know, after the race, you know, oh, this could have been our weekend and we could have done anything. Um, it was quite funny listening to... Um, Esteban Ocon, you know, when he when 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 after qualifying with Fernando, said, oh, you know, I could have fought for pole. And he sort of... Esteban laughed and went, I really hope that's true because that would be great news. You know, regardless of maybe a bit of hyperbole, they've obviously taken a step forward. And maybe we've seen, you know, we saw that the likes of, you know, Alfa Romeo maybe come back a little bit um, and Haas as well. So I think it's just going to keep sort of shuffling for a little while. And then we're going to go to Imola next where teams are actually probably going to have some proper upgrades. McLaren said they brought a few little upgrades. There's been some stuff going on, but we're going to start to see proper upgrades um, come at Imola and it's probably going to change again because that's a very different circuit again. So th- there's just so many variables at the moment that make it so difficult to sort of pick that pecking order behind, obviously, the pretty dominant Ferraris and Red Bull in second and then sort of Mercedes on race pace somewhere sort of after that and sort of working to, to you know, working on a consistency to bank points and that sort of stuff at the moment. So it's it's certainly very difficult to sort of pinpoint exactly where everyone is going to be. And I guess that's kind of, I don't know there's necessarily panic and, and, and you know, um, Luke was in a, a session with um, Andreas Seidel after the, after the race, and he was sort of saying, you know, yeah, there is sort of it's not necessarily a lot of panic at the moment because it's just going to keep shifting because they're still learning. They're learning things about like how long they can run these tyres. You know, there's probably more a lot more guesswork going into what they're doing than what they're used to. So if you don't necessarily get it right, 
it's not the end of the world. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a world. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Yeah, you mentioned Haas. I think they've just—I think they've blamed setup for this weekend, a pointless weekend for them, uh, with Mick Schumacher in thirteenth, uh, Kevin Magnussen down in fourteenth. But have you been enjoying the start of this season in terms of everything being shaken up a little bit and not really knowing where the form book is? Well, that's what I think. That's contributed to kind of the hype of you know we talked about how big this Melbourne weekend was, and I think that contributed to that a lot. Obviously, Formula One has this incredible popularity that's being built on the Netflix series and you know, the fact that we do have this new generation of, well, we had a, you know, we had a fantastic world championship battle last year. We have this, these, these new generation cars. All that is fed into getting people through the gates and wanting to see these, this race. So I think it's probably good this wasn't the very first race of the new era because we might not be as complimentary about the rules um, as we had been after Bahrain and Jeddah, but... You know, it, it yeah, it is nice to not know exactly what's going to happen, and you can probably bank that the Ferraris are going to be pretty hard to beat in Imola. But there's still so many question marks beyond that. Whereas, even you know, in previous seasons, you wouldn't necessarily say that you could probably draw up a form guide and and, and land pretty close to where things were going to actually happen. Luke, tell us what how you thought Sergio Perez did today. We've been a little hard on him I think generally I've I've been hard on him saying that he's been absent at times but today perhaps doing the job that Red Bull number two drivers haven't always done which is when their number one driver isn't there to get the points he was right in it did some had to do some on-track overtaking to get second uh, Luke give us your thoughts on how Perez performed today and how he, he delivered that result yeah, it was another really solid display, I think, from Checo. Obviously, that 20-second gap to Leclerc at the end, it's its big. But realistically, would Verstappen have been a lot closer? I, I, I don't think so. I think that... I think Perez all weekend long has been on a much more even footing with Verstappen. I think even in the first couple of races, obviously we saw that phenomenal pole in Saudi Arabia and was very unlucky with the timing of the safety car. Again, got um, yeah screwed a little bit by when the safety car came out here. It, it, meant, it meant that he uh, lost that place to to George Russell, uh, but he was able to fight back really well. Yeah, it was it was a good little battle with Hamilton. He got that position and then, yeah, I was able to catch up with Russell and, and, and get him. Russell was told not to fight Perez, basically, because he had to save his tyres uh, for the later in the race, which obviously, yeah, that's very sensible, made a lot of sense. But it was, uh, yeah, still a good drive, I think, by Perez to get that job done. And as you said earlier, Martin, like, this is kind of what's expected of the second Red Bull driver. Like, they're meant to be basically when you're first, uh, the first bullet in the gun, which is Verstappen, misses when when yeah something goes wrong there needs to be a, a sort of a rear gunner there to pick the pieces up and I think Perez has been doing that really really well uh, so far this season I think it was a really good drive from him today and I mean even in qualifying he was within a tenth of a Verstappen which is great and I think that we're clearly seeing that the issues with the Red Bull in terms of its philosophy and how difficult it was to drive and being quite on the edge to, and that's really suited for Stappen that sort of old issues with uh, the car in previous years that is, that does seem to be remedied under the new regulations and I think it's allowing Perez to yeah sort of be, be fighting a little harder and uh, realistically they should have been third and fourth today like that's where they were on outright pace Ferrari were a step in front so for Perez to come away with P2 I think he can be really pleased with that just to pick up on that point, I was just uh, throw back to practice. I thought it was really interesting that um, Verstappen, when he was sort of um, losing the car, he was he was complaining uh, over Team Radio, saying uh, it's so neutral the car, which is you know it's almost like the holy grail of setup. That's what you want a car that you know it doesn't understeer, wash <laughs> wide, doesn't oversteer, and uh, and he he was complaining about that. And it, uh, you know it's what we've seen trackside for a couple of years. He really does like an aggressive rear end, and then and then they got like the ideal setup, and and he wasn't happy with it. I just thought that was quite a sort of amusing, almost um, almost like counterintuitive thing to to see in practice. Could Hamilton have put up much of a fight with? Perez, because we saw Perez steam around the outside without DRS, made it look easy, but then perhaps went a little bit hot into the next corner, and, and Hamilton was coming back at him, and then we had uh, the safety car for, what would that have been, Vettel? Could Hamilton have, have 
put up any kind of fight there? Because it looked like he was about to come back at him. Yeah, I think it was only a matter of time, really. I think that I okay. think Hamilton did very well through that first stint to sort of like yeah keep in touch and to 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 get the uh, get the undercut on Perez and jump him like that. But uh, no, I think yeah, in terms of outright pace, look, Mercedes they weren't anywhere near Ferrari and Red Bull this weekend. So I think uh, it was uh, never really gonna. I think that fight was only gonna end one way, and that was with uh, Perez uh, pulling ahead and getting the position. Mercedes coming home third and fourth. George Russell on the podium. You look at the last three winners of that race um, and it's not been a Mercedes lockout fest in Melbourne. It's been Bottas, Vettel, Vettel uh, going backwards in reverse reverse order. So coming away, second in the Constructors' Championship. I, I think they're just kind of maximising with a, a package that really isn't working, you know. So I think they would be pretty happy to come away with what they came away with. Obviously, there are some elements of good fortune to that in terms of what happened to Science and what happened to Max and and all that sort of stuff. But at the end of the day, I mean, George Russell was second in the Drivers' Championship as well, which is staggering and doesn't necessarily bode well for a super close title battle, which is a weird thing to say three races into a 4,000 race season. But um, it kind of feels like, you know, it is slipping away from a lot of other drivers very quickly by purely by the fact that George Russell is second. So, look, I think Mercedes will just be happy that they're um, that they... They can't not be happy with that result. And I think it's very much the same. You look at like a McLaren, it's exactly the same. You know, you sit there and go, okay, well, fifth and sixth, what more do you want? You know, what more can you hope when you know you have the weaknesses that you have with your current car? So, um, and it's not the first time that we've seen Mercedes drag a result out of something at the moment. They're getting to the end of races. The thing might not be perfect to drive, but they are getting to the end of races and they're, and they're getting results. So obviously a bit of frustration from Lewis that he kind of got, you know, the, the, the pit stop, uh, the, the safety car didn't fall that well for him in terms of uh, George getting ahead of him. Um, so, you know, but at the end of the day, um, I think Mercedes as a team, I'm sure they're not happy with the fact that third and fourth is a pretty outstanding result for them, but at least they're maximising at least they're getting the most out of what they've got for the time being. And, you know, who knows what, how handy that could be. Who knows how handy those little points that you do pick up when things aren't working could be when they, if, when they do start working. Do you want to, I don't know, stick your finger in the air and take a, a punt at how quickly Mercedes can get on top of these issues? Or do you want to not commit to that? They're so pessimistic. And even after, after qualifying yesterday, you know, Lewis was in the in the written media pen. He was he was quite upbeat, but just so pessimistic, if that makes sense. Like he was sort of <laughs> laughing and yeah. joking, but he sort of was saying like, "No, no, we're not. We're nowhere near solving this. This is not a quick turnaround. We're not going to rock up at Imola with a package that just fixes this thing. We don't know how long this is going to take where we can get on top of the porpoising and all the other the issues with the car and actually be super competitive." Now. What Lewis says and what happens in real life, there is sometimes a, a disconnect there. So it's not necessarily um, going to be the case. But it's just interesting that there doesn't seem to be, it's not like they go, well, there's one little thing we have to fix and then this thing's going to be right on the money. So, you know, it, it's, it, I mean, probably the weirdest thing in the world is right now we've got Lewis Hamilton, who doesn't consider himself in the title fight at all, and Max Verstappen, who was saying today very clearly in the pen, I'm not in the title fight. It's, it's not here. It's that we're, we, we need to be, I'm so far behind now, if I'm not beating, for, if I'm not beating Charles immediately, I'm not going to run him down and they're quicker than us, so I'm not going to beat him. So um, it's just, it is, it's a crazy, I know we've lived through a couple of crazy years, but there's nothing as crazy as thinking those two guys are standing around tonight going, I don't think I'm going to have any hope of winning a world championship this year. Yeah, that's Lewis Hamilton in fifth, 28 points. Uh, Max Verstappen in sixth with, you know, just that one, that one finish, uh, which is really, really hurting them. Luke, what's the impression you're getting? Because you talk to the drivers, you talk to the team, you're there. What's your impression of getting a grip of this, of this package? Yeah, it's clearly not one issue that's the thing like Russell might have said okay the porpoising is 99% of it but Toto Wolf he spoke yesterday and said that there's yeah probably lots of little gremlins in there that Mercedes have got to sort of weed out and, and get sorted and the point was made to him as well that the Ferrari car you see that porpoising and that yeah it's still a very very quick car and the issue with Mercedes obviously is that it porpoises through the corners as well which is much more of an issue but it, um yeah I think that 
there there's a lot of work for them to do and like talking to the team it's pretty i, I don't know they're, 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 there's a sort of a strange not 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 acceptance but i think they're sort of yeah they understand where they're at right now and it's like they they know how they've got to fight their way through that and i think that the team has obviously enjoyed so much success and it's for a lot of people at that team it'll be the first time where they're in a position where they yeah they can't win races or anything so i think it's uh yeah it's uh it's a it'll be a humbling experience definitely i think that mercedes they uh i think so so we'll said um uh, that that in those words um over the weekend and I think they just know it's going to be, it's not going to be an overnight fix. Like they're not going to bring an update package to Imola and all of a sudden it stops porpoising and they're rapid again. But there is an underlying confidence that that is a quick car once they can get on top of these issues. So I think it, for them, it's just a battle of how quickly do they do that and does the time it takes cause them to lose more ground on Ferrari and Red Bull. But I think that, yeah, they're very, I think, Again, if you'd have said to them, given what their sort of pecking order and, and pace is right now, that they'd be ahead of uh, Red Bull in the Constructors' Championship after three races, I think they would have bitten <laughs> your hand off. Yeah, absolutely, Luke. Long season, though, long season. Hey, you want to take a quick break and thank our sponsors of the Autosport Podcast today, because without them, we can't make the show, we can't bring it to you for free every single Formula One weekend. And our sponsor this week is BetterHelp. Now, people don't always realise that physical symptoms that you get, things like headaches, whether it's teeth grinding, even digestive issues can be an indicator of stress. And don't forget things like doom scrolling, too little sleep, working too much, even sleeping too much, under-eating and over-eating, all signs of stress. Now, BetterHelp said to us, can you talk about stress on the Formula One podcast? And we said, are you kidding? Even watching Formula One is a stressful experience at times, but can you imagine working in a Formula One team, not just the driver or the team principal or the chief mechanic, but at any position in a Formula One team? Imagine being Charles Leclerc's front right tyre guy or girl, right? Or the jack man at the front of the car. The stress that that job must come with at any part of a Formula One team, like he's leading the race, he's going to come in, he's going to do his final pit stop, and you have absolutely got to nail your job. There can be no error. Like The stress must be amazing. Now, stress shows up in all kinds of ways, and in a world that's telling you to do more, to sleep less, to work harder, to do the grind... BetterHelp want to remind you to take care of yourself and maybe even try some therapy. Now, in a Formula One team, of course, you win as a team, you lose as a team. I'm sure that as many of the teams aren't flying out of Australia tonight, actually on Sunday night, uh, particularly Ferrari, this is the first proper Grand Prix, I would say, where they can celebrate. Have a couple of beers is what I'm trying to say cryptically. You win as a team, you lose as a team. Maybe that's your support network. But if you haven't got that... Maybe you want to try out something like BetterHelp Online Therapy, customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist. So you haven't got to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. This is all about getting people in your team, in your corner, right? You can't go through life alone. You want to get a team behind you, and you can get someone from BetterHelp to help you out where you need to. It's more affordable than in-person therapy. Give it a try and see if online therapy can help lower your stress. And because you're a listener to the Autosport Podcast, that's right, you know the deal with podcast code. You get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash autosport. That is B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P dot com slash autosport. Right, back to the podcast. Matt, I want to come to you and talk a little bit, rather than go in the complete order of the finishes, and talk a little bit about Ferrari, because you're going to be in Italy in a couple of weeks' time. Uh, Matt, you and Luke are doing a, a bit of a road trip, only because you're staying a little way away from the circuit, so there'll be a few miles done in the hire car. But look, you'll be in Italy. There's going to be, as there always is, so much pressure on the red cars and the drivers, and Carlos Sainz had a really difficult day today, started out of position. He would say not his fault, blaming the team for that. Team accepting their share of the blame on that, by the way. But as we often see, they end up going backwards at the start. And that's what he did. After the first two races where he got two podiums, Carlos Sainz having a really difficult day today. This could have been an easily a one-two for Ferrari. What do you what do you make of his weekend and how that's going to feed into to Italy next, Matt? Yeah, well, we're sorry, sorry ahead to Imola and uh, Luke's uh, already promised to be hot on the podcast, so the higher car stuff should be should be quite fun. I put in my recommendation, so I'm looking I'm looking forward to that. Be good, good company. With signs, it's signs. You know, 
he was he was really like quite demure in 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 Bahrain and then Saudi sort of not not getting close enough to 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 Leclerc and we think oh well, you've had a great start to the season but I suppose now he had he 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 was more just sort of justified in in being so downbeat so you know he had that he had sort of um he was saying like one minute before before the cars went to the grid or uh, the you know, uh, they had to leave the cars alone. Uh, they had to change the steering wheel, and um, and uh, because a load of buttons weren't working. And the second one he he had in didn't quite have the correct setting, so I think it was a wrong wrong torque map. And uh, he hit anti still, which meant he dropped a couple of positions straight away. And then yeah, just a bit out of whack really on on those hard tyres. Didn't didn't look much fun at all. And then and then where uh, in the high speed is it? It's now. Nine ten, I think the correct corner corner designations. Now the track's been reconfigured. Obviously, you know, over the over the grass and then, and then lost it. And, and I thought it was quite lucky, sort of, not to be collected. But obviously, then you know, beach beach in a gravel and uh, so downsides. You know, you, we we all say about gravel traps it imposes limits. But then where he's already lost it, been over the grass and spun it. It's obviously brought brought out that that early early safety car. But this is a weekend where he'll come away again frustrated. But I think. He, he he'll probably signs I reckon judging by some of his comments he looks back and go this is a team where this is a weekend where it was a team that dropped the ball not not me so much and yes he had his struggles I don't think he would have been a match for Leclerc again but the way the way it unfolded I think he'll he'll, he'll step back and go right right come on come on lads that you know drops drops a bit of a clangor there um and but I did as much as I could mm. this time. All right, AVL, let's talk about home hero Daniel Ricciardo. A great result for McLaren today. And again, being fortunate that those ahead of them retired. Lando Norris in fifth, Daniel Ricciardo in sixth. On the TV coverage immediately afterwards, there was a suggestion that maybe Lando was carrying some some issues just towards the end of the race and maybe even a a kind of hold steady between the two drivers and and a bit of, on social media, a bit of confusion why Daniel wasn't attacking more to get that one extra place. But he is, you know, the ultimate team player. They've stuck by him through hard times as well. And McLaren will be delighted. But um, there should be some pretty happy Aussies tonight as well to see him at least back in solid points as well. I think so. I don't think anybody was really expecting him to finish that high up. I don't know if maybe... I, I always feel like like Daniel has a bit of a love-hate relationship with this race because it is so much pressure and it is so hard um, in the build-up to the race and he sort of pulled in every single direction and all that sort of stuff. Um, and I think maybe the fact that the team was struggling so much, he might have come here with a little bit less expectation, you know, in terms of what he can achieve. And then they've actually gone and over-delivered for the whole weekend. Um, so I, I sort of feel like he kind of enjoyed this Australian Grand Prix weekend more than I've seen him enjoy it in the past. And certainly in the race, obviously, he couldn't match. He didn't match Lando in qualifying. He didn't match him uh, in the race. But, well, sorry, he actually did match him. They pretty much ran nose to tail. You know, he pretty much sat in his DRS wake um, throughout the whole uh, throughout the whole race. So they, they kind of really did manage... As match each other, uh, the two McLaren drivers. But I think in general, they were just uh, pretty happy. And Daniel was just happy after the race that um, they've made a step forward. And he said, you know, we, I, I always believe we would find something. I just didn't actually think it had come this fast. Um, so, you know, they, they, they've got to round three and with some quite minor upgrades, they've actually made a big step forward. So that sort of points to the fact that they're unlocking potential within what they actually have, which is good news for them. So, um, yeah, look, I, I think he was pretty happy to uh, to, to yeah. come away with a sixth place on a weekend where, you know, based on what we've seen previously, who knows? They could have been way outside the points and never even looked like it, but they were sort of in the hunt, you know, properly in the hunt for legitimate top 10 results all weekend. And I think he kind of, you know, after what they've particularly, you know, Bahrain and then Jeddah, that was that was good news. Yeah. Can we talk a bit about um, McLaren's pace, Luke? And the, the first stint, they seemed to be pretty strong and, and hanging on to the pack. And then after the safety car, or maybe after the pit stops, McLaren just didn't seem to be able to to kind of just to keep up and almost settled into a rhythm and an accepting acceptance of, of, of where they are. A good points finish, and when you look at the the finishing table, it looks good on paper, but is it as much of a good news story as that? Or do you think they're still still really struggling? What do you think, Luke? They're very happy with how this weekend went and I think they are they would obviously gladly take those points and I think they're <laughs> 
I think they see it as a, a bit of a, a bit like Mercedes. It's a bit unexpected, actually, because I think that they know the pace that where they are. That um, yeah, they they're really they're not at the front of that midfield really, but today it seemed like they were. And Landon Norris, he spoke after qualifying and said that he put as much as eighty percent of the pace this weekend down to it being track specific and, and and the track suiting the McLaren car. Andreas Seidel, I mean, even after the race today, I asked him about it and he said that like, I I think it's three things it's okay the track does suit our car but also the small upgrades we've brought they help and also we're making up for the time lost in testing so we've made some steps forward uh, but Norris I mean he he even after the race he kind of doubled down on the idea of it being very track specific he said that look, I think this is as good as it's going to get for for a little while and he said some of the tracks coming up I'm not so sure so I think that there's um yeah it's interesting him and Ricardo like Ricardo I mean obviously a very upbeat guy anyway but he does seem to be putting a yeah. very positive spin on, on where they are and maybe compared to Lando but I think it's uh yeah, I think that the pace, I mean, and I asked, because we saw in the early stages, I thought it was quite interesting when you had the sort of the two Mercs and then the two McLarens lurking just behind pretty much, uh, yeah, running within a few seconds of each other. And uh, I said to Lando, like, did you think you could sort of be in the hunt with them? And he was like, yeah, I did at that point. But then we saw that they were just clearly managing their tyres massively. Um, Mercedes, they were really, really worried about tyre management today. I think that fearing that if you push too hard, that will kind of open the tyres up and then they would just drop off a cliff. So I think it's, uh, yeah, it maybe gave McLaren a bit of a full sense of uh, where they were, that they were maybe a bit close to Mercedes than they actually were. But um, yeah, then mm. come the race, it was just, um, uh, sorry, come the later stage race, Mercedes just quickly ball clear. And uh, yeah, kind of left the McLarens a little bit in no man's land. But uh, yeah, a really good, I think, points finish for them, I think. They're back up to fourth in the constructors, which again is not really where they expect to be given the pace of the car and the struggles they've had mm. in the first three races. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, it was um, by lap 48, I think Hamilton had dropped the McLarens by 14 seconds. And yet, uh, 20 laps earlier, they were absolutely running in, uh, you know, pretty close convoy and they were uh, catching Perez. Um, all right, Matt, uh, you are the latest addition to our, our F1 team. I will give you free choice of what we talk about next because I've, I've got written down in no particular order. We should talk about Alpine, Alfa Romeo, Alfa Tauri and Williams. So your choice. Uh, what should we talk about next? Uh, I'll go with Alpine because I think... Go with Alex, Alex Albon? No, I go, oh, I'm going to go with Alpine. I think first off, start with like... Um, a little, a little apology, or, or, or at least uh, admitting where I was wrong, and that was, you know, it's trackside. Uh, we, I was looking at the Alpine, and I was thinking, you know, it's understeering, it's porpoising a lot, and you know, I didn't, I didn't, th- I wasn't even sure if they would maintain that sort of anonymous midfield position they've had, sort of towards towards the front of the congestion. I thought they'd even slip back a bit, and I know what AVL was saying earlier. I completely agree with him that these these cars are so different one from one team to the next, and it is every chance to you know, one track will suit us to design philosophy more than another. So we shouldn't get ahead of ourselves by saying, you know, Al- Alpine sort of are a bit stronger. But the way the way Alonso, obviously, and, you know, we, we've heard him before saying that was the best, best 14th place ever seen in F1. He obviously, he likes to likes to talk himself up. But before <laughs> before it, before he did get sort of caught out by the safety car and and, and, the, and the strategy went away from him, we saw with Alex Albon how, how that hard tyre actually really could have sort of paid dividends. You know, the Alpine mm. was looking good. Bit, bit of a more quiet race by comparison for Ocon but but that that car is is it is still mm. where we think it is I suppose uh, maybe maybe they even fell behind uh McLaren McLaren this weekend and definitely you know there's sort of a as a big jump up for the next team in in um in Mercedes but yeah a, 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 de- a decent enough a decent enough car and 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 it the execution of the strategy wasn't wasn't great but but sort of a yeah, it's an impressive race car, and it's certainly something that I'm not. I'm not. I'm not going to say I was completely wrong. I, I know what I saw in testing that car it did look unconvincing at times. Um, I'm not, but but perhaps, but perhaps, I know, I know, but 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 maybe they've under they've understood it. They've they've unlocked it, and and they've tamed the beast that I saw now. I'm only joking with you, Q, because I, I agree. Like in, I think in our preseason testing video, we were talking about who's going to be one of the more disappointing outfits this season, and I, I said Alpine because looking trackside again, it didn't look particularly great, and that we'd uh, we, we hadn't got a huge amount of confidence coming out of the team. But I think they've appears to have got the car in a pretty good window. I think Alonso is is performing well, even with the Fernando Alonso exaggeration tax that everything is sort of ten times greater than it actually is. I was going to say, Luke, you absolutely have to trademark that, the Fernando Alonso tax. That's brilliant. 
I, and I, I must say, uh, akin to our colleague Stuart Codling, I am recycling material. I did a, a quick appearance on the fan forum stage earlier at Albert Park, and uh, we were talking about Alonso, and I, I coined it there, and it, it went down quite well. So, uh, yeah, that's uh, that's going to be trademarked <laughs> moving forward. For anyone who wants a T-shirt or anything, you, you could uh, get that. But, uh, yeah, it's... Uh, no, no, sorry, Alpine. Uh, I think they're in pretty good shape, and... Um, I think like Espan Ocon, like I think he's he's actually made quite a quietly and a bit anonymous in many ways, but actually a very solid start to the season. Two seventh and a sixth, twenty points on the board compared to just two for Fernando Alonso. So I think that's that's really really encouraging. And I think that I think Alpine, yeah, they probably probably overall have been. Uh, yeah, you you look at that midfield fight, and I think that it's going to be really close. I think that that is going to sort of fluctuate as the year goes on, but they do appear to be in a in sort of within um, shouting distance to be in that fight for, for fourth in the constructors. So I think that's, uh, that's good. Um, I do want to give a mention to Oscar Piastri as well. He's had, I think quite a, quite a big weekend. Obviously he's only a reserve driver this year, but he had such a, I mean, there was such a buzz around him all weekend and every, uh, so many people and fans and sort of pundits and local media all want to know when's Oscar being going to be in an F1 car. Like, is he going to be the next big thing? And um, we, we had a, a lunch with him on Saturday and uh, he we were kind of talking about sort of how's like, it been this weekend. And he said it was, I mean, similar to what AVL was saying about the, the buzz that Ricardo had around his home race and the, guess, the, the stress that comes with that. Oscar said it was actually quite nice to be able to do all of that without the idea of, oh, now I've got to go and drive an F1 car. I have to worry about that as mm. well. He could kind of just like, only worry about oh you would do this media thing and this and this and this so uh yeah it's been a, a really good weekend for him I, I sorely hope we do see him on the grid for his home race next season um because yeah he's a, a top talent and a good lad mary redeemed a fifty thousand dollar cash prize playing chumba casino this year i was only playing for fun so winning this was a dream come true chumba casino is america's number one social casino experience it's serious fun with over 80 casino style games to choose from you too could win life-changing amounts of cash be like mary log on to chumbacasino.com and give them a whirl that's chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary void or prohibited by law 18 Plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. I think what would be quite amazing to see about Oscar on the grid for the Australian Grand Prix, but the Melbourne Grand Prix, is that he's from Melbourne. He grew up a couple of kilometres from the circuit, you know. So during the year of the Australian Grand Prix in Melbourne, we've had two Formula One drivers, Mark Webber, who was from Queanbeyan, which is near Canberra, very long way from Melbourne, uh, and Daniel Ricciardo, who's from Perth, lucky boy which is, couldn't be further away from Melbourne. It's 4,000 kilometres away. So, you know, it's a home race by name to a very large extent because, um, trust me, it's a plane trip I have to do in a couple of days. It's a very, very long way. So, um, if you know, if and when Oscar makes it to the Formula 1 grid, he's going to be the first Melbourneian to sit in a Formula 1 car in Albert Park in the middle of Melbourne. That's going to be a really big deal for the city. It really will. All right, let's. I want to go to Williams next, actually, and how Alex Albon managed to get a point for uh, his uh, his first point for Williams, a tenth place by just doing the most most mega stints, uh, running way longer than the tyres were meant to uh, to at least last. Uh, Q, let's come to you and talk about uh, Alex Albon. How impressed were you with that today? Was it a, a fluke of the strategists or did he really... Because he said he had to pull out 20-odd qualifying laps to make this work. Well, that's the thing. That's the thing. Is I, was, I was looking at his looking at his times because it was, you know, the curiosity around it was building. So I, I popped open a, like, like the data track and see what was going on. I was thinking, you know, this is, this is a bit odd, isn't it? But he was incredibly... He was incredibly consistent in that sort of one minute 22.5 something lap after lap after lap and there was like and this is this is you know around lap 48 you know really really deep into that stint and the, the drop-off wasn't coming mm. it was really impressive and then so so he did that bit and then and then the Williams strategy sort of gave him gave him the other sort of repaid his his hard work and his, his sort of care on those tyres because it was really like I, I, the word cute sounds a bit patronising but it was, it was like deft how they did it so um so to to ensure he got a points finish I think he was running in sort of, uh, he was seventh at the time didn't he, he stopped on uh, lap uh, 53 slash 54 but as Leclerc crossed the line mm. so he didn't count that and then um, and then and then um, uh, they also I'm, I'm sure this is not quite William's strategy more, more sort of a coincidence but 
benefited him. But Leclerc coming back to basically lap all the all the people that were potentially threatening to 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 leapfrog Albon and secure that point meant mm. they they had to back out and Albon uh, Albon crossed the line just uh, just ahead of uh, Joe who I think had a bit of a nightmare last lap or, 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 or dropped a bit of time. So it worked out worked out really well. But yeah, a really impressive stint and and sort of the flip side to um you know. Safety cars, we've seen it time and time and time again. People react to safety cars because obviously you get a cheaper pit stop. I think, you know, it's about an eight second swing in the favour at Albert Park. And so, you know, you always want to take the initiative um, and make the most of that and, and pit. But but Williams didn't do that. They just kept going and going. It was just, yeah, really, really impressive. And then... Um, uh, you know, not not so good on the other side of the guys, uh, you know, Latifi in 16th. But at least by finishing the race now, if you take out practices, he's now he's now finished as many competitive sessions as he's had mega shunts in. So uh, so upping upping that ratio in his favour. Uh, Valtteri Bottas for Alfa Romeo in eighth. Pierre Gasly, Alfa Tauri in ninth. We've mentioned Alex Albon. Um, and then it was uh, Zhou Guan Yu for Alfa Romeo in 11th. Lance Stroll uh, up to 12th. Mick Schumacher, the first of the two houses in 13th, followed by teammate Kevin Magnussen. And Yuki Tsunoda in 15th. Last of the two classified finishers, uh, Nicholas Satifi in Williams and uh, Fernando Alonso uh, classified. 17th, having two stopped. The last talking point that I want to get to, uh, not a huge point, uh, there may be nothing else to say on this, but does anybody have some thoughts, comments that you want to share on and how it, they are now having to look at how drivers behave behind the safety car because it was Mick Schumacher. I mean, it was a whisker uh, before running into the back of Yuki Sonodia. And that, and that it would always be embarrassing at the very top level of, of motorsport. Any thoughts from you guys on whether we need to change regulations? It was the concertina effects, I think, that we see the sort of as, as drivers are backing up and, and weaving and slowing down and speeding up that you're always going to have a, a certain element of this. And I think that they, uh, yeah, I mean, the regulations are always looked at and reviewed and sort of what changes can be made. Uh, Niels Vitic, his, um, he does seem to be a lot stricter, I think, than Michael Massey was in terms of uh, enforcing rules. We've seen over the weekend, obviously, discussions about uh, underwear and jewellery and things like that and what drivers <laughs> can wear in the cockpit because it's a case of, yeah, you want to... I, I think they are really sort of clamping down and basically they're not introducing new rules. They're just enforcing existing rules properly. And I think that even with the safety car restarts, they're kind of looking at things and saying, well, okay, what is safe? Like, what, what is fair? And I think it's something that is always going to be an ongoing process. But it definitely does does feel like I think we've got a bit of a I'm not going to say like rules with an iron fist or anything like that but it does feel like the FIA is now being a little bit more uh, strict in terms of sort of how they're approaching things whereas perhaps in yeah last year I think one of the big criticisms laid against Michael Massey was that there was inconsistency he wasn't really sure in terms of what what was and wasn't allowed whereas now it appears that they are very quickly making it clear like this is what you can do this is what you can't do and reviewing anywhere where there might be a bit of a grey area all right guys well look great to see fans on track i love that at the end of the race it always looks uh so cool to see the the fans getting close to their drivers and uh and they you know their heroes and uh, and, a, and, a, and a proper proper fan event it was so good to be back in australia avl we can't wait to come back and, uh, and we only ever talk to you when we're in Australia, so we should get you on the podcast more. It'd be good to have you on. Any, any time. And I'll, uh, yeah, I look forward to seeing you blokes in 12 months' time. <laughs> Hopefully before. Right, we, uh, we move on. Matt and Luke will be going to, uh, to Italy. They're sharing that one. So we look forward to uh, uh, that trip very soon. Thank you very much for listening to the podcast. If you aren't subscribed, and you surely are, but maybe you've just discovered the show, uh, then, uh, then make sure you hit subscribe in your favourite podcast app and then you get us first and free and automatically as well and if you are listening to this show and you know someone who loves formula one like we do and you'd like to share this show with them and i ping them a, a note a message uh, share it on social media uh, we always appreciate when people can say a few nice words about the podcast on their itunes reviews as well it helps build the show and uh, and help us grow thank you very much for listening today check out our videos like the paddock pack down and more from luke on our Autosport YouTube channel. Check out motorsport.com and autosport.com to read our writing as well. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you again on the next one.
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Message and data rates may apply. Guys, got hair loss? I know what you're thinking. Should I shave my head, comb it over, wear a hat? Just stop. This is in 1970. Keep your hair and your confidence because Bosley, America's number one hair restoration experts, can give you your real hair back permanently. Check them out today because they're giving away an absolutely free information kit and a free gift card to anyone that texts EASY to 203203. Dude, you don't have to look like your dad because this isn't your dad's hair loss treatment. People all over the country trust Bosley because they're ahead of the curve. They use the latest technology to give you your real hair back. And the best part? Bosley's permanent solution is protected by the Bosley Guarantee. Let Bosley show you for free how awesome your hair could look with an absolutely free information kit and a gift card for $250 off. Text EASY to 203203. That's B-A-S-Y to 203203. Sports Social Podcast Network. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. <laughs> 